0: you are listening to time to revive this show is designed to help you get the confidence to share your faith in everyday life the music in the background is revival from third day
1: hey welcome back to time to revive this is mark bird i'm your host today and joining me on the program remotely is a person that i call in a lot of cities my partner in crime <laughs> and as we uh, unpack this today you'll see that as Paul and his disciples, his partners in the gospel, went about the gospel. And in the book of Acts, it's recorded that they went about sharing the gospel, preaching the gospel, living the gospel, proclaiming the truth. And you know what? They also came across problems, issues. They came across obstacles. They came across people that were standing in opposition of them. But without further ado, on the program today, joining me is James Reynolds from Dark County. James, thanks for jumping on the
0: call today. Hey, Mark. Thanks so much for having me on here. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, look forward to sharing uh, what the Lord puts on our hearts for today.
1: Yeah, and James Reynolds is a, a team member with me on the Revive Ohio team. He and I have gone to many, many cities over the last five years, walking this thing out walking it out by faith. It's such a pleasure to have James on the program today. James came to my church for a time, and uh, we've just walked this thing out together and literally done it by faith. James, describe a little bit to the listeners today, kind of your faith journey, and how you got started into this thing called Revive Ohio.
0: Well, Mark, uh, even before I come across the ministry of of Revive Ohio, the Lord was kind of drawing me to certain scriptures, and he was highlighting certain things to me as a um, sort of a relatively new believer. And as I started reading the scriptures, one continually stuck out to me, and it seemed like I couldn't turn to the right or left without seeing Romans 10, 14, which says, how can they call on the one that they have not believed in, and how can they believe in the one who they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So the Lord just kept showing me this verse, and I felt like from a a very early calling into ministry that the Lord was calling me to go share the good news with people.
1: That's great, James. That's so true. And You know, and this is what the Lord does. He goes before us. He calls us. Uh, I don't know about your experience, but I'd like to add in my own experience, we doubt it, and the Lord calls us again. He reminds us, and we doubt it, and we question, and we challenge, and, and the Lord continues to remain patient and continues to call us. And for those that are maybe hard-headed like myself, you'll find that God continues to bless and encourage and equip us. And finally, there's a day where we stop, turn around, embrace that calling, and begin to walk it out, James. And uh, what's really beautiful, what I want the listeners to hear today is the fact that when God gets a hold of us, our lives literally get turned upside down, and they will never be the same. And James, I guess I'm going to call on you to describe that, the Lord, when He got a hold of you, when you finally said yes. For the most part, it's an incredible adventure, but we're also going to talk about, uh, a little bit later in the program, we're going to talk about opposition. James, I'm sure you've experienced opposition with not only sharing the gospel with strangers, but also opposition from people that we know that as we begin to answer this call, not everybody embraces us in that and thinks that it's it's what we should be doing. But let's just go back to the original thought here, James, and that is describe once the Lord got a hold of you and what your life looked like then and what it looks like now that the Lord's got a hold of you.
0: Okay. Yeah. So uh, I think what you're asking is kind of the testimony of how God changed my life. Most of my life, I was caught up in addiction and dysfunction. And, and I thought I had life controlled by my own hands. My whole life, I, I, I've been kicked out of my parents' house at a very young age because I couldn't control my addiction and, and I wouldn't listen to their authority. And uh, I always thought I was taking care of myself. But there, there come a moment in my life uh, after I was married and with children that my, my son actually told me that he was moving out of my house to get away from me because of uh, the, the lifestyle that I put into my home, uh, the dysfunction and disaster. And it was at that moment when I felt completely hopeless for the first time, even though I thought I had control of my life. Uh, everything was crashing around me, and that's when I reached out to a God that I didn't even know. Just out of pure desperation, I reached out to a God that I didn't know, and He rescued me that night. Uh, that night was April first, two thousand twelve. Uh, have that permanently stamped in my mind that the Lord had changed my life on April Fool's Day, and I, I chuckle now, like really, Lord, my testimony is April Fool's Day. So. My life changed uh, dramatically from that moment. You know, the things I'd love to do, the things that I was involved with, I no longer had desires to do those anymore. And I kept questioning, who is this God I prayed to? Why do I not want to do the things that I've always loved doing? So that got me searching. Maybe I should visit this church behind my house. Maybe I should ask these questions of who is God to these people. And, and the Lord put me on a journey in a little church that was right behind my house. And I started to grow and grow and grow. And the more I learned, the hungrier I got. And the more I, I took that step of faith, the more the Lord kept revealing to me that he was calling me out of my old life to give me a new identity. Because before my identity was in my job. And I think we can all uh, agree that men so often have that trouble, that their identity is in their job. We stick our hand out to shake their hands, and we say, hey, what do you do for a living? Our identity is in our job, and the Lord wanted to give me a new identity, and He's done just that.
1: That's so good, James. And so now, like you talked about this journey, James, and that's uh, really what this whole entire program is about. It's about normal, everyday Christians being on a journey. You might be a pastor, but you might not be. James, you were a construction worker uh, when you met the Lord, right? That's correct. And so you might be a construction worker. You might be a school teacher. You might be anything. But listen, what the Lord desires, He desires us to be on a journey with Him. And James, I guess it would be safe to ask, This journey that you're on with the Lord, (laughs) how would you describe it in one or two words?
0: Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I want to say exciting. Uh, that, That word comes to mind real quick. It isn't always easy, that's for sure. But it sure is exciting. It's exciting to see how the Lord has developed me and grown me. You know, uh, the Second Corinthians 5.17 talks about how, therefore, if anyone's new in Christ, he's a new creation. Therefore, the old has passed away and the new has come. You know, so the Lord has is, is created me into a new creation. Uh, but in that same chapter, uh, Second Corinthians 5.20 talks about how, we therefore are ambassadors as though God were making His appeal through us. and we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So when I first read this verse, I wasn't, uh, as you said, I was a construction worker, uh, was not a well-educated man, and I'd heard the word ambassador before, but I wasn't quite sure what it meant. And I used one of my biblical references that the Lord started growing me and teaching me to use. And I looked up the word ambassadors in that biblical reference, and I was floored with the the response or the the definition of that word. And it said, a high-ranking minister sent on a special mission. And I thought, wow, that's what the Lord says about me. He says, I'm a high-ranking minister, and he's sending me on a special mission that just really overwhelmed me. And I couldn't get over that for many, 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 many months.
1: Yeah, James, and I know you've probably heard me teach this in different churches, but when we cover those scriptures, when we get an opportunity to speak in churches, you know, and I ask people everywhere in many churches, I say, how many of you have a ministry? You know, sitting in the congregation today, how many of you have a ministry? And of course, usually less than 10% raise their hands. But as we explore that Second Corinthians chapter five, where Paul says we are ambassadors for Christ, it says that we all, meaning everyone who has been reconciled to God, all of us have a ministry now of reconciliation. And really it's not for ourselves, James, it's for other people. And it says, as though God were, imploring through us to other people, be reconciled to God.
0: Yes,
1: And so that's kind of what you're describing in what I'm hearing as your understanding of being an ambassador of God. Now I'm on a mission. I'm an ambassador. I represent the King of Kings. And yes, you have a ministry if you have been reconciled to God. And James, I know that you've been reconciled to God, and I know that you've understood now that you have a ministry to do so for others, and watching you not only embrace that, but actually walk it out and grow in your confidence and also grow in the boldness of the Holy Spirit. James, would you describe yourself when you were before Christ, would you describe yourself as a bold person?
0: Uh, not so much. I would probably describe myself as a vulgar man. (laughs) Okay.
1: There you go. There you go. But my point in it, honestly, and thanks for being open and honest for the listeners, but my point in bringing that out is, but now I watch you and you're very bold for the Lord. Although here's what I've watched you do as you grow and mature, James, I've watched you learn and understand how when Jesus sent out his disciples. He said, "'Go, therefore, and be wise as serpents, but gentle as doves.'" And I've watched as we grow in boldness, James, which uh, Paul himself prayed for boldness, to be more bold in proclaiming the gospel. But what he did was, he said, "'Go and be wise, but be gentle.'" And I've watched us learn together, James, how to really walk that out, how to understand that, and how to represent that. I'm taken to a passage in 2 Timothy 2, starting in verse 23, and it says this, Paul instructing Timothy, his younger disciple, and he says, but Timothy, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. Be able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they will know the truth. And finally, in verse 26, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him, To do his will. What I want to highlight in that scripture verse there is this opposition. So, we have in our five year journey here with Time to Revive and Revive Ohio, we have come across those in opposition. And, James, as we've shared the gospel, we've ran across people who want to argue. They want to argue their point, or they want to change the subject, or they want to get us off of our task of sharing the gospel. But what Paul instructs Timothy here is he says, don't get caught up in a foolish and ignorant dispute, knowing that they just generate strife. But what you need to do is in humility, correct those who are in opposition with the truth, like don't back down from the truth, but listen, gently remind them so that the Lord, because James, as we've learned, one man plants one man waters, but God gives the increase. And as we've learned that, we don't know whether we're planting or whether we're watering, but it's up to God literally to bring the increase. And so what we're saying is we will stand for the truth against those who are in opposition. We will be gentle, but we will correct them with what the word says. And in a lifestyle of evangelism, James, which is the this particular series that we're working through this time is this. We have to be able to understand what it takes to embrace the call, James, allow God to capture our life, set us on this journey with Him now of living out the gospel and knowing this is this particular episode. I'm just feeling led that it's going in the direction of opposition. So, what happens, James? Because here's what the listeners say a lot. Well, what happens when you face opposition? What happens when someone doesn't just fully embrace what you're saying? They don't uh, get converted to Christ. They, they want to uh, argue. They want to cause you trouble even in some cases. But what happens, James? What do you do when that happens? James, you are also involved in a ministry called Courtside Ministries, which is a rhythm set outside the courthouse every single week. And do you have everybody that comes through there, do they all just run and jump on you and embrace you and accept Christ? Or what happens when you face opposition?
0: No, actually, not everybody does embrace it, but I'm there for the one. And the way that I handle opposition or those situations that you've described, uh, a lot of times comes from just imitating Jesus. And one of the things that I've loved about Time to Revive is they, they teach love, listen, discern, and respond. And when you go out and love, you're not going to offend people. Uh, I have the opportunities to go talk and, and share the good news of what Jesus has done in so many different places. And people ask me, how in the world did you get in this particular place? How did you get into that place? Well, when you go in love, the Lord opens up doors for you, and people aren't offended and they want to hear what you had to say. They don't feel like I'm preaching at them or I'm preaching down to them because I'm coming in a posture of love. And we can argue different things back and forth, which does no good, just as we read in the scriptures. But what I usually try to do is redirect them to say, Well, hey, let me share you what I've experienced, how God has changed my life. You know, you might be telling me that you've heard this or that, but let me share with you what I've personally experienced. And we all have a testimony, and you had me kind of touch on that, and nobody can take away my testimony. There's absolutely nobody can convince me that God isn't real, because I had that personal experience with the Lord in my bedroom on April 1st, 2012. And that's where I operate out of, out of that that being restored and reconciled that we talked about earlier. The Lord has made me new and given me a new identity and that excites me. And I wanna share that with anyone that I come in contact because they can't discount what I've known to happen in my real life.
1: James, that's so good. And, you know, I'm reminded of the scripture verse in First John says, we love because he first loved us. That's how we learn to do this. And, and, James, people will say, well, how in the world do you stand in the face of opposition? And the truth is, it's because of love. What would you add to that, James?
0: Well, there is a a man that has made some pretty bold statements that has really impacted my life. His name's William Booth, and he was the founder of the Salvation Army. And uh, most people just know the Salvation Army is this guy that's out there ringing a bell at Christmas time. But there's so much more to the Salvation Army. William Booth, he made a statement that he said most Christian organizations want to send their workers to a three-year or five-year college. But he said, I want to send my workers to hell for five minutes. That would prepare them for a lifelong compassion ministry. And when I reflect back on that, when I heard that for the first time, I just sat and I meditated on that. And what would my life be like if I even spent one minute in hell? And how much passion would I have for the lost? I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. I would run from person to person saying, please, please let me tell you. Let me tell you about the goodness of my God. That's really impactful to me.
1: Amen, James. And, you know, I'm going to take us to... A scripture passage in the book of Acts, chapter 13, and uh, it's going to extend over a little bit into 14 as well. But this is just a picture of an encounter that the Apostle Paul had as he was going about sharing the gospel and ran into opposition himself. And I want you to pick up a few different things because I'm going to read several verses here, but I think it's pertinent to this discussion, James. And I think When you think about the Apostle Paul, everybody thinks about this great man of faith, which indeed he was, a great man of boldness about the gospel, sent to the Gentiles to preach the gospel, and man, everybody sort of envies him, emulates him. Do you also recall that he was shipwrecked, beaten, thrown in prison, all of these other things? and? And I want to just share this kind of picture out of the scriptures that not only tells about Paul's encounter and running into opposition, but also the good that God did in the midst of it. When he stayed the course, when he hung on to the scripture, when he hung on to God's word, he hung on to the truth and how God still brought an increase So without further ado, let me read this out of Acts 13, starting in verse 44. And the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of the Lord. But (laughs) here we go. My favorite word in the scripture, something's going to change. Something's going to happen here. Verse 45, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. Okay, and contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. So here's the opposition, the introduction of the opposition, because people were gathering to hear about Jesus. Because who does Paul preach about? He preaches about Jesus, and the multitudes were beginning to gather to hear about Jesus. And it made the Jews upset, and they contradicted, and they opposed the things spoken by Paul. Verse 46 Then Paul and Barnabas, then Mark and James, then you name yourself, you and your partner in the gospel, right? They grew bold and they said, it is necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of the everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles." We have this phrase in Revive and says this. It says, run with those who want to run. And we will share the gospel to everyone that the Lord brings in front of us in an encounter. But there are those that will accept and there are those that will not. Verse 47 For so the Lord has commanded us, I have sent you to be a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as been appointed to eternal life believed. Okay, same message. The Jews didn't accept it. They didn't believe, but he preached the same message to the Gentiles, and many of them believed, and the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region, which is what Paul's mission was he was to go about and he shared and he was he was preaching and he and Barnabas grew bold together verse 50 but the jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city and raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region but i want you to read or hear with me verses 51 and 52 But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Do you see they faced opposition? They continued to do what they were called to do. And what happened? Some of the disciples, those who believed, were filled with joy, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. God still, right, did what God was going to do. Now, just a couple verses here into chapter 14. Now, it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude, both of Jews and of Greeks, believed. So there were some of the Jews that believed, and there were some of the Greeks, some of the Gentiles that believed. Why? Because they just preached the gospel. And there are some that responded uh, positively, and there were some that rejected it. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles and when a violent attempt was made by both gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them now James you and i haven't faced opposition like that yet for abuse and stoning but it could happen like it could actually even happen in america and so right away people are like oh i couldn't i couldn't bear that to happen to me but jesus promised us one thing you will be hated by people because of me. And that is the truth. But James, so why, after hearing all of that and hearing about opposition, why would you still be willing to take the risk even at, I mean, James could be unheard of, but in the city where you minister every single week, you could actually face opposition to the point of being stoned or being ridiculed, being persecuted. Why would you continue to do what you do?
0: Because it's all worth it. What I've been rescued from and what I've been given, I want that for others. And that's what pushes me on to give others a chance to know that they are loved and cherished and that God has a purpose and a plan for them and that they could walk in this new life that I've been given and be given a new identity. It's all worth it in the end. Scripture talks about how there's no better love than to lay your life down for another. I don't necessarily lay my life down on the line each day or each week as I go out. But I want to be able to bring that new identity to people that feel like they can never get ahead. I talk to people on the streets and in the jails and they feel this sense of hopelessness. Like I have a reputation, everybody in town knows me. I'm on probation, I'm on parole. I have all these things holding me down. Well, I wanna tell them that I walked in those shoes, that I wore those striped jumpsuits, but God has set me free and he can set them free too. And that is the message that people need to hear, that there is a light in the darkness, there is hope. In your hopelessness. And that hope is Jesus Christ, and someone needs to tell them.
1: Yeah, James, so very true, so very heartfelt, so very compelling. But there is that person out there listening that says, I don't have that kind of a testimony. I haven't wore a jumpsuit, I haven't been rescued from some great tragedy or some great addiction or something like that. And therefore I don't have this real great story to tell James. And, and, you know, you've talked to people like this yourself, James. And what would you say as we wrap up the program today, that a person like that is like, I don't have a great story to tell like that.
0: Well, I believe that everybody has something to offer. You might not have my testimony, but you know what? I don't have yours either. And I I believe that somebody out there needs to hear that God has a place for them. God has a special purpose for them. Uh, A a very special verse that the Lord has showed me in the last three months is is 1 Corinthians 12. And it talks about how uh, we're all one body with many members And the eye can't say to the hand that it doesn't have any need. But I I love the way that this particular version reads. When you skip down to verse 22, it says, On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. I love that. They are indispensable. So you might not feel like you have this great testimony or that you can relate with every person on the street but we're all part of the body and we all have a special purpose. And you, you out there listeners are indispensable.
1: And honestly, James, there are people that you and I encounter both that don't have this testimony like you and I have, but they are also in a place where they're like, I just need someone to understand where I'm at. And they might not have, this great horrific background that they were delivered from but they might just need an encouraging word they may just need a gentle word from the lord and the scripture i'm reminded of in, in roman says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance and so just wherever you are you might be like james you might be like me you might be like someone that you don't think has a fantastic testimony but you might be just the answer that they've been looking for if you'll allow your uniqueness and your gifts to shine forth. Man, James, as I promised you, this goes really fast, and it feels like we're just getting wound up, but we're already out of time again, And uh, so, brother, keep your ears on because we're going to have to come back to this because we have lots more stories to share and lots more testimonies. But folks, thanks for tuning in and listening again. And tune in again next week where I'm going to have another special guest. And we're going to share about this lifestyle of evangelism and how you can be the light to the world that Jesus said we would be in Matthew chapter five. You've been listening to Time to Revive.
0: Thanks for listening to Time to Revive. This show has been brought to you by Shine FM and Revive Ohio. More information about this program at shinefmohio.com. The Shine FM Podcast Network.